Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 210. Have you ever thought about upgrading your stateroom? Certainly, when you book a Royal Caribbean cruise, you feel pretty good about it, but inevitably, maybe a better deal comes out, maybe your situation changes, or maybe you just want to get something a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger, and you find that you're debating it in your own mind, hmm, is it worth it to upgrade? This week's episode of the podcast, we play that game, actually, and find a couple of examples of folks who went through that exact scenario and lay out the, the, the setup and then share our thoughts on would we upgrade if we were in that situation. Here we go. All too often, as you go through the process of planning your Royal Caribbean cruise, you might run into a situation like this. You booked a room. You're happy with the room. You got a great rate on the room. But then the upgrade fairy rears her not-so-ugly head and says, Oh, Matt, we've got a nice room for you. It's only this much more. And, of course, you start scratching your chin and you say, Ugh, I don't know. And then, inevitably, there's that age-old question, Should I upgrade? And... While we can't answer every possible scenario, this week I wanted to kind of go through some of these scenarios that I found on the internet and debate them right over here. And when we're debating anything, when we're talking about things we found on the internet that must be true, I look no further than my very good friend, my cohort, Michael Poole. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on board. It's always fun talking some Royal Caribbean. And when I heard this topic, I was like, of course he he gets me on, on here to talk because I am the king the almighty of bouncing around, changing cabins and ships. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I believe your brother thinks you're the worst when it comes to the situation. Am I, am I mistaken? <laughs> I was actually talking to him tonight, and I was like, I've already made three changes on a booking I made like a week ago bouncing around cabins. So th- this is going to be a great topic to debate. Right. And so here's how this topic came about. Basically, I went on a number of message boards on the internet and found random threads people had posted where they had booked a certain category and had the opportunity to upgrade to another. And Michael, you and I, we were just joking, but we've run into this situation quite a bit, right, where you book your cruise and then at some point, whether it's a day after or months after, you see the opportunity not just to upgrade, but it's more the issue of, you know, it comes really down to price more than anything, I think, right? Right. I mean, I think the price is, is going to be the main factor. And especially in my case, a scenario, it seems like they always come about like, you know, after final payment, you've already made the final payment. You're like, I'm paid in full. And then the little fairy comes along and is like, how about a couple hundred dollars more? Right. And sometimes you got to justify it. But I feel like more often than not, if it's a good deal, you got to pull the trigger. In fact, you and I just both went through this exercise <laughs> not even a month ago, right, for the Har- Royal Caribbean blog Harmony of the Seas group cruise. We did. I had an ocean balcony booked, and a couple you know, weeks after final payment, there was a great deal on the junior suite going, going, gone sale. And, you know, I you know, spoke with my roommate, Ron, and pulled the trigger. And now, I mean, I'm in a junior suite, and, I, and I'm an inside kind of guy, so... I just I couldn't not book the, the the suite when I saw the opportunity. Yeah, I was in a lowly ocean facing balcony and then saw the opportunity to upgrade to a loft suite for an amazing rate. And my wife was just like, "Look, you know, we we've got to do this," and we finagled it and, and managed doing it. But it's really a lot of this is going to come down to, and this will be not only the people that we're talking about here in these examples, but anybody, whether this is, you're listening at home, is you're going to run into a situation where it comes down to you know. 
a couple factors, I think. Price is probably chief among them, the most important thing. Second would be your itinerary. I mean, is this three nights, seven nights? Uh, what what type of itinerary? You know, is this Alaska and a balcony is huge? Or are we talking about going, you know, on a three-night cruise on Majesty of the Seas of the Bahamas where it's not nearly as important? These are all factors, I think, that will kind of weigh in here when we're, we're thinking about this. But, again, I thought it would be fun to kind of go through this process and, you know, say, should should they upgrade? And um, you ready to go, Michael? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Here's uh, this one. We'll start, I think I started off easy and worked my way up hard. Um, here's the first one. Number one, I have an inside balcony. Or sorry, I have an inside cabin booked currently at a rate of $799. I can upgrade to a central park balcony for $20. I can also upgrade to a boardwalk cabin for $40 more. So should this person upgrade, Michael? For $20 or $40, uh, since they said... Uh, Central Park or Boardwalk, it's going to be a seven-day cruise on Oasis class, I'm more than likely. Um, so absolutely. There's no reason yeah. not to. Um, and you know those cabins, they come with extra perks in the neighborhood, the Boardwalk and, and this, the Central Park. They come with little extra perks that you could justify that cost easily, no problem. Absolutely. I know a lot of people sometimes have, especially people who are not uh, who have been on an Oasis class ship or in these rooms before, these Central Park and Boardwalk balconies, Oftentimes for them, it's not so much this. I mean, the cost, I agree. It's a slam dunk, $20, $40. That's nothing. Uh, the issue a lot of people always have is, is it noisy? I'm worried about noise. I'm worried about the fact that people can see into my balcony. And I've stayed in these rooms many times, and I can tell you that it's completely overstated. It's not a problem at all. First, first and foremost, noise is not the issue. I don't know why people assume that's the case, but there's not a lot of noise bleed at all. In fact, once you're in the room, you don't hear anything. On the balcony, will you hear ambient noise? Sure. But you know, when you're sleeping... No problem at all. I never had any issues there with noise bleed. And I love the views. And, you know, you get obviously with being a balcony, going from an inside, you're getting more space. You're getting more living space. Even if you never set foot on that balcony, your room is much larger than it would have been in that inside. Yeah, I agree. And the boardwalk is at in the nighttime, um, Matt, it's, it's so peaceful. It's like yes. there's almost literally no one out there. Like, it's so nice to sit on your balcony if you're on a boardwalk. In Central Park, too, you can listen to live music, but they're very courteous. And those those door seals are, you know, they, they protect the outside noise. I've stayed in them like you many of times. I've never heard any noise in my cabin ever. And I think you brought up a really good point, which is about the um, the, the the perks. If you book a Central Park or boardwalk balcony, you get something called Dine, Drink, and Discover. They just changed the name of it, but it's the same program. Maybe you've heard of this before. But essentially, it gives you certain perks for booking a uh, a, a boardwalk or park view um, balcony. And I'm gonna I'm loading it up right now so I can give you the. If you book a boardwalk balcony, you get a, you get a complimentary meal for up to four guests at Johnny Rockets. One, you get an unlimited soft drink package, a soda package for two guests, and you get a private session at the rock climbing wall. If you book the Central Park balcony, you get a complimentary lunch for two at uh, basically uh, uh, Sabor or Giovanni's table or Jamie's Italian. Um, if you you also get a complimentary bottle of red wine and a private gaming lesson in the casino. So I think there's at least one or two things. Basically, it's free. There's no additional cost to do so, or it's included, I should say. So yeah, I think that alone pays for that twenty or forty dollars easily. Whether it's just the lunch. Or the or the soda package, yeah, and you know Johnny Rockets for four people at you know six ninety five a person that alone it pays for it. So uh, grab that while you can because those deals don't last long. All right, I'm giving you a point for that, Michael. You thought of that? I didn't even cross my mind, but that's a good point. Uh, 
All right, here's the next one. This one's a little harder. We have booked an inside stateroom, but I secretly upgraded to a junior suite as a surprise and paid an extra $1,400 from inside to junior. I've never been on anything larger than balcony. The junior was only a couple hundred more than the balcony, so I went for it. Now, the suite prices have dropped, and the travel agent said I can upgrade to a grand suite for $646 more. Do you upgrade? So they're mm. in a junior suite. They already forked over an extra 1400 We don't know what they paid in the beginning. But okay. now they can upgrade to a grand suite, a true suite, for 646 Now, well, for the purposes of this argument, Michael, I don't know what ship or how long. Let's assume seven nights. Uh, grand suites are fairly – it doesn't really matter. It's not like it's a ship-specific thing. Um, so what do you think, Michael? Do you think they should upgrade to the grand suite for 646 after already shelling out 1400 to go from an inside to a junior? I, I'm going to say no on this one, Matt. I mean – Wow, That's, it's I mean it's almost a hundred dollars more a day when they're already, you know, I would consider maybe fourteen hundred dollars over what they originally planned to spend. So at this point, I'm just assuming you know they're getting close to three grand. I mean, there's a lot of factors on this one, but I'd probably say no. I, I'm going to go with no on this one. What do you think? Ooh, no, I'm going the opposite direction. Now, granted, you're, you bring up a really good point. $1,400 to upgrade. It's granted it's from an insider junior, but that's a lot of money. And to your point, let's assume for a second that they did upgrade, right? That's We know of at least basically $2,000 that are accounted for, not counting whatever they paid in their initial room. So you're right. It's probably closer to – it's almost certainly $3,000 or more. And that is a lot of money. And the upgrade, but the upgrade to fourteen hundred wasn't was way more than the upgrade to the grand because the grand going from a junior suite to a grand suite, grand suite is a full it's a it's a real suite. You get the concierge access, you get the concierge lounge, you get priority embarkation, priority disembarkation. You got kids, that's huge. Um, if you've got you know you've you've got access to uh, if you're going to Labadee, you have access to Barefoot Beach. I, you know, depending on the ship, you have your private areas on by the pool deck. 646 isn't a lot. The 1400, I think you bring, that's a fair point, Michael, but I still think if you've gotten this far, you got to press your luck. You got to go, no whammies, no whammies, big money, stop on 646 for the upgrade. I feel, you know, you've already done it this far. Go for the whole tamale. Yeah, I mean, they are going to get the gold CPAS card if it's non Oasis class ship or Quantum, uh, which allows you to get, you know, priority seating in the theaters and then, yep. um, Correct me on this, Matt. On Oasis and Quantum class, it's Star class, Sky class, Sky class. Okay, so yeah. you know so they get free. They get free internet. Free internet. So mm-hmm. you know that could be for two people alone. Internet for a week is two hundred dollars. So if you factor that, your cost is down to around four fifty. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I totally think six forty six is nothing, and you should go for it for for a week. Assuming it's a week, that's less than a hundred dollars a day. You know, assuming two people, that I mean, that's nothing. Uh, the fourteen hundred dollars, I think, I think it's a fair point, Michael. That they paid a lot to go already go up there, and to spend now another six hundred dollars is it's quickly adding up. You went from a cheap cruise to a, you know, we're assuming at least three thousand dollars. That's not that's a fair amount of money. You know, it's not cheap. So. Yeah, I just think that I just fix it. Junior suite to grand for six forty six. If that was the question, this would be a slam dunk in my mind. But I'm still saying go for it. It's like you know what? That's what next year's tax return is for, right? 
<laughs> that's what us cruise nerds do. We we talk ourselves into these upgrades, you know. That's right. It's, we text each you other. Can't help yourself. <laughs> right. Know? What you do is you maybe you've watched an episode of Dream Cruises on AWE Network and then texted each other and be like, uh oh, just booked a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> True story. It happens. It has happened. It's been known to happen. Yes. All right. Good one. All right. Let's go to the next one. Should I pay an upgrade from an outside cabin on Freedom of the Seas to a balcony guarantee? The price is less than $50 to do it. Just don't know if I should take a chance on the guarantee. Ooh, this is an absolute yes, yes, yes. Um, I I find myself in this scenario almost every time, Matt. In fact, I was in this scenario last week. So the guarantees, in my opinion, are not that bad. As soon as you get assigned to a balcony, look at your balcony types whether it be you know d1 or e2 i know the the types are about to change but you can still change to another balcony within that category type even with the guarantee um you know there's no additional cost you, you know you do have to make another call into your travel agent or royal to do the change but for 50 dollars, yes 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 what do you think matt yeah I, I i agree as well i think the guarantee while there's a little bit of roll of the dice there I think, especially on the newer ships like Freedom of the Seas, I think there's very little risk involved. Uh, to your point, once you get assigned a room, you can, if there are still other rooms of that category available, you can just ask, hey, can I change from this room to that room? It's not usually a problem. 50 bucks is the nothing. I mean, if this were, you know, $200, okay, I could, I would start be, I would be hemming and hawing it pretty heavily right now. But, I, you know, at 50 bucks, I think it's worth it. And to have a balcony, again, Number one, you get much more living space. That That's huge right there. And second, you get that – I mean, ocean-facing balcony, Michael. You know how nice that is to have that in the morning, right? Oh, yeah. Sunset, you know, morning time, uh, breakfast out there with your room service. It, it's definitely – you know, I've appreciated the balconies more and more as I've gotten older through cruising. And it, it really makes a difference in, as far as your memories and the experience of the cruise itself in my opinion. Yeah, so now that you're 17 and three quarters, you have a proper appreciation for the balcony. <laughs> I don't always book them, but when I do, you know, <laughs> I definitely appreciate them when I got them. All right, let's go to our next one. Uh, we've got uh, on Liberty of the Seas, I just noticed a price drop for our cruise, and it's $100 per person for a balcony than I would have paid for a promenade room on the sixth floor. Would you pay the extra money to upgrade if you could? So they're, so, in, a, they're in a royal promenade room. Mm-hmm. So and it would cost them 100 per person. So let's assume 200 dollars to upgrade to a balcony on Liberty of the Seas. Well, we know that's a seven night cruise going out of Galveston, uh, more than likely. So yeah, I generally will will look at it around 400 to 500 is when I'll you know kind of have some hesitation. But for 200 dollars, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think kind of the arguments we just made on the freedom. I think you definitely have to do it. Unless, you know, personally, I've never tried a promenade room, Matt, and it's kind of like I'm one of those, I've, I still want to do it, I still want to try one, but I think in this scenario, you still, I think I, in my, I would I would pull the trigger, I'm doing it. Yeah, I think $200 ain't, is not a lot to ask to move up from there. I did a, a promenade room, they're fine, there's nothing wrong with them, they're very, very nice, and it's, cool. it's great people watching, but I think a balcony in general, it's like you said, Michael, it's more space, all the, all the reasons we gave for the previous rooms. And it's still within that ballpark of, yeah, I think when you're talking about for a seven night cruise, three to four hundred dollars to upgrade to a balcony, it's that's reasonable. It's when you start to get into that, like we were talking earlier about the 646, when you get into that larger numbers, it starts to get a little more dicey on it. Um, and we're about to get a little dicier after these questions. So, yeah, I think I agree. Uh, I think go for it. Well, nothing to lose there. 
Uh, oh, one other thing I forgot to mention earlier, by the way, and this goes back to the story that Michael and I both told earlier. If you get past – this is true for, at least for residents of the United States and Canada. Your other countries you may have to check with your travel agents. However, uh, if you're past final payment date, you, many of you already know that, well, you're past final payment. You're kind of locked in, right? Kind of. While you can't reprice your room, what you can do is spend more money. Royal Caribbean will not say, no, we, don't, we will not take more of your money. So if you run into a situation where you could pay more to upgrade, you can do that. So keep that in mind in your own travels as you book something, get past final payment date, and if something comes up that you can – it's going to cost you more than you already paid, but it's far more reasonable than it was before, well then, bam, you're, you're all set. Uh, you, can, you can generally go for that to look the other way, even though technically speaking you're not supposed to, if that makes any sense. So something to keep in mind, and I just want to make sure we brought that up. Um, all right, here's a quickie. On Navigator of the Seas, is it worth it? Is it worth three hundred and eighty dollars to upgrade from a D one balcony to a junior suite? Mm. <sighs> this is the easy question, by the way, because I got a harder question coming up after this. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that Navigator it's likely a four or five night in the Caribbean out of you know South Florida. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it is double Crown and Anchor point. So if you're trying to move up the ladders, you know, with the Crown and Anchor Society, keep that in mind. You are going to get double points. Um, I, I'd probably do it, Matt. I, I'm not, you know, I probably would, but it's it's flirting in that range where I may I might have some hesitation. Yeah, I don't. It's not that I don't love the junior suites. So they're not. I think they're basically junior suites are glorified balcony larger balcony rooms, right? There's very little difference. So you have the double crown anchor points, which arguably, if you're interested in moving up the system, is probably the best perk. You do get a walk-in closet and a full bathtub. If you've got young kids, that's important. But it's a lot of times I often regret getting a junior suite just because I kind of say, well, if I just stayed in the balcony, I could have saved, in this case, $380 that I could have spent on a cabana at Labadee, right? Or mm-hmm. or on the drink pack. That, that's a drink package right there, $380. So... For a lot of those reasons, I end up saying I, I think that a regular balcony is nothing wrong with it. D one is not bad. That's the best of the balconies that uh, ocean face of balconies that are not suites. I probably that's, that's one of those conversations I have with my wife, Michael, and it's like it's three eighty. Yeah, let's go for it. What the hey? Even though I know, like you know, I, another hundred dollars, I would have said no. You know what I mean? I think I would have too. And. And on the Harmony group cruise, I was kind of in that situation where, well, the, the total upgrade for for Ron and I in the cabin was around six hundred bucks, and I was like, man. But when you're, you know, I was splitting it fifty fifty with a friend, I was like, three hundred dollars yeah. is kind of my, like you just said, it's kind of like, eh, let's just do it. Let's just let me do it. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but generally, it, it, you're not going to find me in a lot of suites. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. All right, last one, Michael. We're currently booked in a D1 on the Oasis of the Seas on the hump, so a bigger balcony. Is it worth an upgrade to a junior suit? We have an infant, so I'm thinking of the extra room. It would cost us an extra $1,300 to upgrade. Mm. Well, if we, if we stick to our logic that we've talked about today, I think we're both going to have to say no on this one. $1,300, that's, that's a big chunk of change. And honestly... That's that's another cruise. I mean, you could put that thirteen hundred dollars and almost have yourself another seven night cruise. So, in my opinion on this one, it's a no, no, no. How dare you bring in logic into this argument? There's no logic in loud. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm allowed to flip flop as much as the next person. Uh, yeah, you're from a pure money standpoint. Everything I just said, I, you're right. It should be a solid no. The X factor is the infant, and this hits hard. This hit. This hits home for me because I've cru- I cruise all the time with my children. And let me tell you something. Any opportunity to get a little extra space or separation from them is huge. So important. But thirteen hundred dollars is a lot of money. If this were the other situation, three eighty, yeah, slam dunk. Okay, for the kid, I get it. But thirteen hundred dollars. No, that's not worth double extra crown and anchor points to me. Uh, and a bathtub. The bathtub, I, no, no. Even with the kid, I would probably, I would actually say, Michael, what we should do is downgrade, <laughs> get two smaller rooms that connect, and get separation that way. I think that's probably the better route to go than thirteen hundred dollars for the junior seat upgrade. In fact, that's often that brings up a, uh, something I was thinking of, which is that, uh, you know, when when one thing that a lot of families make the mistake of is they look to the bigger rooms. They think, oh, we're a family of four or a family of five. We must stay in the same room. That's the most logical thing. But on cruise ships, in a lot of cases, it makes way more sense, both financially and logistically, to have two rooms. By having two rooms, you have two bathrooms. Now, the infant's not really a big deal, but if you have teenagers, that's a bigger deal. You get a physical separation between you so you know the baby or the kids can sleep. You and you know you and your spouse can stay in the room a little up later. You can watch TV. You can have the lights on. You know you can talk and not play the quiet game. I think in this situation, I'm going to go for the option that I never gave you before, Michael. Downgrade. <laughs> That's probably the the best answer we've heard this whole time. I think you're you nailed it on that. Um, I, you know, depending on the the age of the child, they are going to get the the bathtub. You know where they can play in there. So that is a factor, at least with a child, but. I think you you nailed this one right on. Get the two cabins, get them connecting. You can hop over. And the biggest thing, you get two restrooms, so you're not you know three, four people aren't sharing one restroom, uh, and that could just be you know like you said logistics, trying to get ready for the evening, and everyone's having to take turns to shower in and out of the restroom. It could take you hours to get ready for the night. So two cabins all the way. I'd almost always with children get two cabins if I could. Mr. Family Expert, giving you the real information here. You heard it first from Michael Poole, Family Talk. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why I bring him on here, folks. <laughs> Michael, this is great. I hope people at home were able to play along and have some fun here, and maybe some people are just yelling at their phones, what are you talking about? How could you do that? It's a great deal. But um, it's uh, always a pleasure, Michael, to have you on here talking a little Royal Caribbean together. Hey, good good chat with us this evening, and I'll tell you what, I will see you in 40 days on Harmony of the Seas. Woo-hoo. All right, once again, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast episode where I dip into the Royal Caribbean blog virtual inbox to answer your Royal Caribbean emails that you've sent me. And if you want to send me an email, I would love for that to happen. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week, I think, is a correction, and that's good because I want to get the right information out there. It's from Andrew Averbeck, who writes, On a recent episode of the podcast, uh, you mentioned that you no longer like the next cruise option because of the change fee. After hearing that, I went out and read some more details on the topic, and from what I saw, this was only applicable to grand suites or higher. So, and he posted some URLs here about the uh, next cruise options there. Uh, also, I agree, after they implemented three free drinks at any bar, but the Diamond Lounge has become far less appealing. Now I don't have to be tempted to buy lukewarm appetite. <laughs> buy the lukewarm appetizers. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. And you know what? They just changed the next cruise options again since the time you emailed me, Andrew. You know, I, I still stand by 
the fact that I feel like Next Cruise, in general, it, it's still it's still free money, right? If you go on board a Royal Caribbean ship and you book another sailing, you're going to get bonus onboard credit. There's no denying that. And I do like me some free money. I'm not going to lie. It, I think it depends on the situation. If I know for a fact I'm definitely taking a particular ship, you know, sailing, right? There's no doubt in my mind I'm taking that one. I might be more apt to do that. But I think in general, I feel less inclined or less less motivated to go to Next Cruise and make a reservation than I did a couple years ago. You've probably heard on this podcast. And I think that's because the changing landscape of the benefits that are there. Again, I, it's not that I wouldn't book it on there. But I feel like I used to, I, probably a couple years ago, I might have said, oh man, I'm going to wait for my next sailing so I can book a, a cruise on next cruise to take advantage of the benefits there. I used to be all about the next cruise future certificates, right? Those open-ended bookings and those got watered down. I said, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. And with the recent change fees instituted with the with the grand suites and the uh, guaranteed rooms and, and the non-refundable fares, I, I'm less inclined. It's not that say there's anything wrong with it. I'm not to say that it's a bad deal. I just have less incentive, in my opinion, to do it. Thus, I kind of feel a little bit relieved. I used to go on cruise ships and be like, oh, man, we got to book something. we got to book something. we got to book something. And I feel less of that opinion now. So good email, Andrew. Thank you for sending that in. Our next email is from uh, Rachel in Houston, Texas. I'm a longtime listener of WW Today who migrated your podcast after you guys left and recently took my first Royal Caribbean cruise. Because the itinerary, Greece and Croatia out of Venice on Rhapsody of the Seas was a little different than you usually talk about on the show, I thought you'd be interested in my impressions. You'd be right about that, about that Rachel. I uh, sound the theme is my husband, our two kids, age 14 and 11. We've taken one cruise prior, uh, only on Disney Cruise Line, selling out of Galveston to the Mexican ports. It was a holiday cruise in December, so we're not a cruise experts. We are from Houston, Texas. We chose this cruise based on the ports. Dubrovnik, Kator, Montenegro. Uh, it was originally supposed to be uh, Ephesus in Turkey, but changed due to unrest. Santorini, Greece, and Catacolon, Greece, a.k.a. Olympia. The whole thing was possible because we got a $600 round-trip airfare on United from Houston to Geneva. We then took a seven-hour train ride from Geneva to Venice through the Alps, which in and of itself was really fun and special. We had amazing scenery and got to eat in the dining car. Big fun. And the port in Venice is a short walk from the main train station, so it was economical as well. Fun fact, we packed up for our entire trip in four small hiking backpacks. That way, we never had to lug a suitcase around anywhere. Here's the great parts. If you if the idea of sitting on your balcony with a drink and having amazing scenery go by sounds good, this is the cruise for you. With the exception of about half of each sea day, beautiful vistas with mountains and hills and often cities and towns were visible the entire time. The sunset sailway through Venice was absolutely incredible. Same for the sunrise sail in on the way back. We were so close to shore, we could see the beautiful city close up. I was not expecting this, so it was a wonderful surprise. I highly recommend getting a balcony room for this reason. Also, may have just been a fluke, but the seas were incredibly smooth the whole time. Dubrunvik and Kator, originally it was Greece, so we were more excited about it, but Dubrunvik and Kator had have old cities that look like ancient castles and forts. Dubru- Dubru- I think I'm pronouncing, mispronouncing this for me. Dubrovnik is where Games of Thrones is filmed, King's Landing. Now filled with quaint shops and restaurants, strolling through both old cities was so fun and our kids loved it. And access to each was simple, a taxi ride in Dubrovnik and right across the port to Kator, no taxi needed. Both were absolutely gorgeous, as well as sailing in as hiking around each city. The service was truly top-notch, and I expected it to be, I expected it not to be as good as Disney. Actually, we thought it was better. We dined in Chops twice, Azumi twice, Giovanni's once, all were great. 
We were also impressed by the variety and quality of the food in the Windjamere every day. We loved having the drinks package. By the time we had three to four bottled waters, two specialty coffees, and two to three cocktails a day, it was totally worth it. It made us feel like we were on vacation, not having to worry. Our son had the soda package and loved the Coca-Cola freestyle machines on board, He and he ate his weight in soft serve ice cream every day. Things to note. Number one, there were not many kids on the ship. Number two, the ship seemed to be about half American passengers, the rest a mix of Europeans, Chinese, and people from India. Most spoke English, lots of extended families and nationalities. Ship's announcements were in English and Spanish. We enjoyed the mix of nationalities. We took the behind-the-scenes galley tour with brunch, and the, man, and the man leading our tour told us Rhapsody is being sold to another cruise company, and the crew are going to a new Royal Caribbean ship. I'm sure you know which one. I can't remember what he said. Uh, that's definitely not true. About Rhapsody being sold? If, I mean, if it is, it's certainly not news to anybody here. It has been announced, let's put it that way. Uh, Rachel goes on. Things we didn't like as much. Rhapsody did not have a ton going on for our tween and teenager. But to be fair, they were not interested in checking out the kids' activities, which did seem meager. Instead, we played cards, enjoyed the shows, and played trivia as a family. We won twice. We have Royal Caribbean highlighters for days. <laughs> our excursion to ancient Olympia included too many shopping stops on the way back to the ship. We were hot and tired. It seemed like we might be uh, stopping at the tour, at our tour guide's family businesses. This was a Royal Caribbean excursion, and I wouldn't recommend it. Also, in Santorini's port, you have to either climb 600 donkey dung covered steps in the blazing sun, or queue up for a cable car ride up the mountain. The excursion skipped this uh, by getting right on a bus, but on the way down, you have to go. You have to take the cable car or steps. We waited about 40, at least 45 minutes in the hot sun to take the cable car down to the ship with hundreds of other cruisers. This was not fun, though not Royal Caribbean's fault, just something you have to be aware of in Santorini. Overall, it was a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I highly recommend the itinerary. Next, we want to try one of the really big ship ships with lots to do. Rachel, this was amazing. Thank you for the review. This is perfect. I love this. What What did you like? What didn't you like? You know, kind of quick highlights. And I got to be honest with you, Rachel. You've really sold me on this idea. I... I if you were to ask me before this email, Matt, what European itinerary are you most interested in? I might tell you Northern Europe, but this sounds pretty darn cool. And of course, I'm going on Rhapsody of the Seas, not in the, not in the Mediterranean, back in the Caribbean next year. But I, I'm pretty excited about it. And I got, I got to say, this itinerary sounds pretty darn good. And I'm also really happy to hear that as a former Disney cruiser, which I am as well, you came over to Royal Caribbean, had a fabulous time, and you're you're excited for your next one. So. Uh, Rachel, you're in good company. I'm so glad you found me over here, and I hope you'll be part of our community. Go to our message boards, post photos. Mediterranean photos are awesome. I'd love to see more of that. Thank you for the email, Rachel. Our next email is from Nadine and Rich. My husband and I are big fans of Royal Caribbean, and every once in a while I read their blog. On April 23rd of this year, I read the following on the blog and thought perhaps you could answer a question. It does not specify in the below-mentioned advertisement if this is being offered fleet-wide. If there were a particular time before sale date, winter 2017, I should be checking the cruise compass, or the cruise planner, rather. When my husband looked at the cruise planner recently, the fee for specialty restaurants was, was higher than $15. I realized $15 for the first night of the cruise. Is it possible this offer is not being offered fleet-wide? Any suggestions? So they're talking about the first night done right deal. And this is basically an offer where on your cruise... If you go to your cruise planner before you before you set sail, there may be an option over there where you can purchase for the first night of your cruise a dining package for just one night. Instead of having a dining package for two, three, four, five, or the whole cruise, you've got one for just one night. It's called the first night done right, and it's a flat fifteen dollars. Now, considering that you know uh, most restaurants are above fifteen dollars, and I think it's all of them actually, this can be a very lucrative savings for you. So, Nadine and Rich, if you're not seeing it, that means basically. 
that it's not available yet or may not be available at all. Um, it, it, it It's one of those things, Nadine, that... How do I say this? It, there's no way to definitively know if it'll be offered on your sailing. If you don't see it now, the best thing you can do is just keep checking back. It may not be offered. It just the what's offered on a, one particular sailing may not be offered on another particular sailing. It just kind of it is the way that Royal Caribbean operates. And basically, my best advice is if you don't see it, just keep checking back with the understanding that it may not show up. Some things don't always show up for all sailings. My understanding is the first item right is theoretically available on all ships, but it may not be available on all sailings. If that makes any sense. But it's a good email, and I'm glad you brought it in here. Our next email is from Mark McDaniel of Glendale, Missouri. Missouri. I don't know which one's proper, quite honestly, but I like to say Missouri. It's fun to say. Uh, Mark, just a quick comment on your podcast and scopes are very informative and enjoyable. I follow this latest cruise of yours with keen interest when you were on Harmony of the Seas, since this route is the same one that we're doing in March 2018. Unfortunately, you had to work while in port at St. Kitts. I was hoping for a review of the island. Anyway, keep up the good work and enthusiasm for Royal Caribbean. Mark, thank you for the email, and I'm so glad you were, you enjoyed the coverage we did there. I had been to St. Kitts once before and did actually get off the ship for that. Uh, we did a train tour. There was just a lot of fun. I was really looking forward, Mark, to trying it out. I was hoping I'd have an extra vacation day, because if I did, I would have taken it at St. Kitts. Didn't quite work out this way. I do think in St. Kitts, it behooves you to plan something ahead of time. While you can exit the area, the port area, and walk around, there's a downtown's not very far. I don't know that it's Cozumel-esque in its ability to just walk around and enjoy it. I think it's probably best to have something planned at the very least. And so booking an excursion ahead of time is something I would recommend. Uh, A good friend of mine, uh, Rich Triplett, who also, I think, listens to the podcast, Recently tried an all-inclusive resort at the Marriott St. Kitts. He did it through a website called resortforaday.com, and I think he enjoyed that quite a bit. If you're looking for more of a beach or pool excursion, you know, all-inclusive kind of thing, that might not be a bad idea. The train tour I did was a lot of fun, actually. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, it's, you know, but, yeah, don't know what you're, what you're in the mood for, quite honestly. I do think that if you're, you're going in March, that'd be a great time to go do the train tour. I was going to say, if you're going in the summer, it can be pretty hot out there. I'm not sure that I would necessarily recommend it for that. But for March, it'll be great weather uh, in terms of not being too hot out but still warm. Uh, that might be a great option for you. But there's a lot of great, cool things there. Just book something in advance. My best bet, Mark. But thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. I do appreciate that. Next, we have an email from Glenn, who writes, uh, it's Glenn from Nashville, Tennessee. Going to the Majesty the season October to tender to Coco Cay, what is the earliest we can get on the island? How do we sign up? Do we need tickets? We don't have any excursions planned. We just we do have a 10-year-old daughter going with us. What's the best beach for her to have fun in Coco Cay? This is our first welcoming cruise. Only other one was the Disney Dream. Glenn, so glad you're uh, sending in this email. Thanks for joining us. So... Coco Cay is Royal Caribbean's private island, and as you mentioned, it's a tendering island, which means you need to take a a tender, a little ferry ship from Majesty over to the island. At least that's the current uh, case. Actually, they're adding a pier. It won't be ready until June 2018, so uh, you mentioned you're going in October, so that's not going to benefit you. But anyone listening, just keep that in mind. This information is only subject to about (laughs) June of next year. Anyway, so... Uh, when you're in a tender, the process is fairly similar no matter where you are. If you have an excursion booked through Royal Caribbean, you do get priority tender, uh, but obviously that's not you, so it's not really an important thing. Basically, the tenders are on a first-come, first-served basis mostly. I've seen on some ships they do some they do like a ticketing system. I don't believe that's the case on Majesty. I could be wrong on that. They'll let you know on board the ship, basically. So there's nothing you can do ahead of time is what I'm trying to say, tell you. So listen for it, but essentially in all my experiences, the way it works is it's first come, first serve, and depending on when tendering begins, that'll dictate how early you need to get there. You want the earlier tendering times as possible. Like, if they can start tendering at 7 a.m., that's great. You know why? Because then it, there's not a mad rush. When you arrive there and start tendering like around like 9, 10, 11, 
everyone's awake and everyone's ready to go tender, so you can get some lines there. Basically, to avoid lines for tendering, your best bet is to either be literally like first down there. Uh, they'll post a time when they expect the tenders to start. I recommend getting in around that deck, around the gangway. You don't have to be right on the gangway, just within a deck or two of it. Sometimes they don't actually let you queue up right there, but somewhere nearby so you can easily go hop on the line uh, within, oh geez, I would say 20 minutes at, uh, you know, 20 minutes before tendering time might be a good option. So that would be among the first to get on there. If you can be among the first, it's really good. And now if your tendering times begin early, like, like I said, like, before 9 a.m., you get significantly less issues with lines because then the first people who are really, you know, eager beavers, they get up there first and, and they kind of beat the lines and then the lines are less, more, a little more fluid as opposed to a backup that, that can occur. Um, one of the things you can do, Glenn, is go to realcribbingblog.com and we have our, our Cruise Compass archive. And these, we have Cruise Compass for Majesty of the Seas. And on days when you're in Coco Cay, I'm trying to see, I have actually a... A, uh, oh, here we go. So for this one, this was from May 30th, 2017. The first tenders departed at 8.30 a.m. approximately. Not quite 9 o'clock, but again, if you got down there, I think at 8 o'clock, I think you'd be among the first. And, and that's important to you. Otherwise, your other option is to wait it out. Go like at 10 o'clock. If it's at 8.30, if you're at the 10 o'clock ferry, I, I doubt you'll have much of a line, quite honestly. It, it does move very quickly. Obviously, being on Majesty of the Seas means it's not a huge ship. You're not dealing with, like, Anthem of the Seas, where you've got 4,000 passengers trying to do this. You know, you've got less than 2,000. That's far more manageable. So I think it's reasonable. I don't. I wouldn't worry too much about it. In terms of uh, beach, what beach to do, South Beach uh, is less crowded. No doubt about that. They're all really good. I think it's really just a matter of just fine. Coco Cay has a very... I think their beaches are very uniform in the sense there's nothing wrong with either of them. I think, quite honestly, the further you go from the pier, or from where you dock, rather, where the tender drops you off, the less crowded it'll be. And in my opinion, that's more important. Uh, less crowds and also shade. And if you walk down the beach a little bit more, you'll find less crowds and shade. That'd be my recommendation. That way, you're just not competing with as much people. So... Maybe that's the way to go about it, Glenn. I'm, I'm curious to hear your feedback when you get back and what you think about it. I think I'll have a great time. Coco is beautiful, and it's so nice being able to go there on Majesty of the Sea. It's so easy to get there, so I think you'll have a great time. And, uh, yeah, I'm jealous, dude. <laughs> I wish I was going on there. All right, I think we have time for one more email, and it's from Barbara Miller, who writes, uh, I follow you on Periscope. I'm a pretty private person, so I don't acknowledge myself on your broadcast, but I do watch and have learned some invaluable insights. Thank you for that. My husband and I are confirmed to sail on Allure this season in December, and I have a question about my time dining versus the traditional dining. Do you feel the service in my time dining is equal to the service in, in traditional? I know this is an objective viewpoint, or subjective viewpoint, rather, but I respect your answer. You're not seated in the same table with the same weights of every night. Is the service the same? Not sure why I put my time in quotes. <laughs> I really appreciate the job you do in helping us non-experienced travelers feel more comfortable with some inside knowledge. Great job. Barbara, thank you for the email. I'm so glad you're enjoying our periscopes. By the way, if, you have, if you're wondering, what are these things he's mentioning? Matt keeps on mentioning the words periscope and scopes. What is that all about? Periscope is a free video streaming app. So, like, you may be familiar with Facebook Live. Well, it's basically an app dedicated to just video streaming. It's actually run by the folks that run Twitter. So, there's a lot of people who use it. And every night, I do a live broadcast on Periscope. If you want to follow me on there, all you have to do is install the app. It's free. You can install it on you know, your Android device, your iPhone, your Windows device, and you only have to search for my username, which is the RCL blog, one word, the RCL B-L-O-G, and you will find my there, add me, follow me, and then bam, you'll get notified when I go live, and it's a lot of fun, and I would appreciate if you join us in there, be part of the experience, Barbara's there all the time, evidently, so 
Shout out to Barbara for joining us there. All right, on to Barbara's question. Is the service the same between my time and traditional? Great question. I think it is. The service in general is very, very well done in the dining room. The wait staff, be it traditional or main dining, or my time, sorry, is very consistent across the board. Are some better than others? Absolutely. One of the benefits you have in my time is, as you mentioned, you're going to get a different waiter every night. So let's say night one, you have your wait staff and, you know, maybe not bad, not great. Okay. Night two, you're back again and you get someone who you really like, did a really good job. You can actually ask for that table again. When you go back for night three, night four, night five, you can say, hey, can I get, I like to be seated uh, to dine with, uh, you know, someone, waiter so-and-so. They'll make it happen. You might have to wait a little bit more, but they're very accommodating about that. And you can actually, a lot of people have just said they've, once they find a waiter they like, they just go for the rest of the cruise and same difference. Quite honestly, the only, the exception is you get to vary the times. So I wouldn't absolutely not worry about the level of service between my time dining or traditional dining and one being better than the other. I don't think there's any real advantage one way or the other. I think they're both, they're all very consistent. I think you're going to enjoy it quite a bit. And I think with my time, you just have that ability to, Latch on to a waiter you like if you want to. Maybe you'll make, you know, strike up a good rapport with them and it'll really work out. Or you may not. You may just say, you know what? It was good service, but, you know, we're, we're not besties by any means and that's okay too. And uh-huh. it works out. But no, I wouldn't worry anything about the level of service in my time being worse than traditional. Uh, granted, I'm a traditional dining fan. I like having the same weight stuff every night. It just makes it easier. I get, I find often a lot of times that I develop that rapport over time like night one is just tough because night one you know you're frazzled from a long day they're trying to get everything together you know it's kind of weird but as the crew starts to develop personalities come out from the wait staff from you as well and i feel like that really lends itself to making the experience a lot more fun so that's why i like it but uh, barbara you're not making a mistake if that's what you're worried about not at all you'll have a great time there i think it's, it's a great choice and a lot of folks swear by my time dining so good question and thank you to everybody for these wonderful emails and once again if you want to send me your email well my friends you can do so by emailing me matt m-a-t-t at royal caribbean blog.com matt at royal caribbean blog.com so until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again soon